Hi, welcome to Offscript. I'm Zach Lewis. I'm Dr. Draper. And we are sitting with a very special guest. Our first guest on Offscript. Um, That's this right. Kind of, this kind of came about us through one Dr. Draper. Um, Amanda, welcome to the show. Hi, it's nice to be here. <laughs> it is, in fact, nice to be here for us as well. Amanda, how did you get involved with this whole thing? Let's see. I know Dr. Draper uh, in Amanda's a good, good MD. Amanda's a good friend of mine. Yeah. And uh, since we were going to be talking about the disaster artist, um, and I knew that, that she owns a copy of The Room and that she had seen it, so I invited her to Many be on the show. Times. Right. Now, I didn't know this because Amanda works in web, and she's a little, she's a little quiet, but you have, a, you have a dope lunchbox. Thank you. So I know what you're all about. And I wanted to kind of dig into this a little bit to talk about the disaster artist in the room because I didn't even know you'd seen it. I didn't know you were interested in it. Um, now I know, and we'll get into that in a minute. But first, the news. Just a hard right for anybody who's listening to this and wanted <laughs> to talk news. about the disaster artist. The news. I know. We need a bumper. We need music. <coughs> boom, 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 something. Uh, for, first things first. Cinemark announces a subscription movie service to rival that of movie pass and anybody else yeah e- exactly so on last week's segment of uh death of cinema we talked about movie pass <laughs> and its implications for film goers and what the program was and so this week um cinemark announced its own subscription service which isn't quite the deal that movie pass is but it's still a, a deal and a good one and probably a more sustainable one so the way it works um, it's called Cinemark Movie Club, and you pay eight ninety nine a month, and that eight ninety nine gets you one ticket, um, which is at that price. And then, if you want to buy more tickets, then you you get a dollar off of uh, additional tickets. Um, you also get twenty percent off snacks, and as we know, concessions are that's where ver- the real money is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then also, they waive any online fees if you buy um, your tickets online, and. Uh, that's the real big one, actually, because one of the drawbacks of Movie Pass is that you cannot purchase tickets online at most of the theaters. You at have all? to no, you have to go to the theater and per- you have to go through the app, but you have to be like within a certain distance of the theater, and you have to be there uh, within an hour before the film starts. So that's the thing with Movie Pass is that there's lots of restrictions. So there seems to be a lot fewer hoops. It's not quite the deal as far as you know, seeing 10 movies a month for 10.99. Right. You know, probably only one movie, one or two movies. The good thing is uh, unused tickets roll over. So if you go a month without seeing a movie, then the next month you could see two movies. Um, and again, this is for 2D only, no IMAX, no special events or engagements. Um, so it's a, it's a little bit more, uh, it's a s- more sustainable, more reasonable uh, subscription. I mean, I I don't think I would sign up for it. Um, there's not a lot of Cinemarks where I live, but if there were, I, I think I, I might consider it, you know, save a couple bucks. And the other thing is the average person only sees one to two movies a month, like tops. Right. I want to get into the brass tacks on this one because I know there's a lot of little things like the concession bonus, which is cool to save you a couple bucks on concessions. I, I can get behind that, I suppose. But let's 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 get down to the facts. Nine dollars, you said for this service. Yep, eight ninety nine a month. One free movie a month. Yes. Okay. So, honestly, I, I when I went and saw Disaster, I, I paid like eighteen dollars for a ticket, which is nuts. I mean, I saw it in a big theater at an AMC, but that's a little pricey for one person to go to a movie. So, you know, nine dollars for one ticket. I guess I can get behind that. It's going to be two D. It's not going to be IMAX or or three D or anything. Mm-hmm. And that's. I mean, there aren't any deals on on IMAX and 3D. So yeah, they just don't do it. So that's um, 
That's not a surprise. That's yeah. not any different. I wonder if that has anything to do with any kind of licensing through IMAX or like real D three D technology. Maybe they have to pay a fee to that and they what they won't eat it. I don't I don't know what that is, but it's strange that they don't offer that for any of those movies. Like it's just weird. They don't have some kind of like premium subscription package where you can get those for an extra couple bucks or yeah. something. I mean maybe it's just it, it's probably smaller profit margins or something it's just probably very pricey to produce imax and so they want you paying top dollar but this does sound like this is something you could get like if you were going to see last jedi you could get a ticket for it if you had the service right you could get it in advance right uh your stuff rolls over which is cool so if you don't if you happen to not go see a movie that month you still get that ticket yeah which is nice you're not losing out right so you can save it for oscar season or summer blockbusters or what have you and I guess the concession price is is pretty slick. So I don't know. I, I guess it's okay, but it's kind of the same problem as MoviePass. I, I don't I don't know if I would warrant use. I mean, I I mean I don't think I would use MoviePass uh, very much. I know some people are out there seeing ten movies a month or or whatever it is, uh, but I think this is more in line with the average consumer. Right. I I think I would agree. It's funny we have a coworker who. Uh, does have movie pass i need to grill her about it because she's had it for like a month now i need to see if she's actually getting her money's worth amanda what do you think um i kind of agree with andy i definitely don't think that people use movie pass enough like lbmc maybe half a dozen films a year how many so movies do you think you see in the theater I in a month in a month maybe like one yeah point maybe. five like so one that's the thing two. is that i'll usually do like bursts because like movies come out in bursts like that i like so i've seen a lot the past three months but then i said like i didn't go to a movie for like a year so right. <laughs> you know i i mean the rollover is good do i you, would definitely save it probably th- this is an interesting question because i realized this going to see disaster uh do you have a favorite theater okay, I, f- I, I think i do we, alamo draft house yeah we don't go anywhere else because we don't like children and they are loud <laughs> and really terrible in theaters oh and we, we get them kicked out. Theater etiquette. We should do Death of Cinema about theater etiquette one one week. Oh, yeah. Hey, wow, that could I be just, a whole show. I, just, I could do a whole series. Yeah, yep. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> just, I just, just like to be able to hear my movie. So, right. yeah, my boyfriend is pretty dead set on it. Does Alamo so. have a specific, like, Adobe Cinema or IMAX or anything? Like... Because I'm down to specific theater in a specific venue. Like, I'm one, I don't think they one have IMAX at Alamo. Actually, do they? no, they don't have yeah. IMAX, but all their theaters are uniformly excellent. Yeah, like yeah. I've I've never had it a bad, bad sound or bad yeah. screen or anything like that. Yeah, believe it or not, I've, ne- I've never been. Really, never once been to an Alamo. I know. Oh, and see, that's one of the issues. Uh, where I'm at, there's there's an a the AMC Esplanade um, out in Scottsdale is, uh, so it, you can reserve seats. It, it's a and you can order food. Yeah, but because of that, the sound is actually really low. And like I saw Baby Driver there, and I didn't really like it the first time because I. The sound was way down, and the music's a huge part of that movie. Right. So, I kind of couldn't get into it because of that. So, I but at Alamo, I've yeah, everything's they don't turn always been ex- down it's because everything is written. Like all interaction is written because right. you write on the menu, and then they like give you stuff. It's really rare for them to talk. So. I I realize this because I've gone and seen, God, Baby Driver, Blade Runner, Thor Ragnarok, and Disaster Artist all in the same theater, and that's when I realized sitting sitting there for Disaster Artist. Okay, I think this is the one. This is like my favorite theater. AMC Village on the Parkway Nine, just up the way. Their Dolby Cinema is like their number. It's it's their it's their biggest theater in there. It's a nine screen theater, so already not a lot of people go. It's it doesn't get a lot of track traction, and it's expensive. I've been there. Um, yeah, yeah, but the sound is br- 
brilliant in there. And they, they have all the speakers, this ridiculous amount of speakers, are all lit up with, lit up with these red LEDs. It's a tremendous screen. So it just looks really cool before the show. they got great seats. It's quiet. Yeah, like not a lot of people come in because it's expensive. And it's just, it's great. I don't know if we're watching a movie and get in the zone. And for a movie like Blade Runner, where you really need the sound or Baby Driver, it's perfect. It's, yeah. yeah. And so, anyway, my point of that was it's not a Cinemark. Like, and for none of us, it's a Cinemark. And right. I, I realize this does limit you to those. And that's kind of, it's kind of an issue for me. Well, we can also maybe expect other chains to do the same thing to come out with their own program, their own subscription service. Right. I'm surprised Alamo hasn't done that yet. So. It is surprising Alamo hasn't jumped on that because they're so Well, they do innovative. have something for yeah, kids. They, come up they have like things. a skinny thing like that for kids for the summer. Like you pay a fee and your kid can just like go hang out at the movies. AMC had those too. Back when I worked there when I was in high school. I don't know if they still do. But that was definitely a thing like summer movie pass or whatever. Yeah, yeah that was a thing they did. Mm-hmm. According to a Variety report, director Matt Reeves will be recasting Ben Affleck for his standalone film the Batman coming up on Justice League. I know there's a little bit of rumors about Batman. Ben Affleck and Batman. <laughs> That's our drop. Um, what's interesting to me is this: this is a rumor, like so many things in Hollywood. So there's no way of knowing if it's legitimate or not. It seems like it might be based on previous knowledge, but we don't know. What caught me about the story? What caught my eye is the actor who's throwing his hat in the ring for Batman. When we talked about this before the show, you were quick to point out we could just speculate who would be a good Batman, which is a great a great conversation. But for this one. Uh, which we should, but for this one, uh, John Hamm. I love it. Wants to play Batman, <laughs> like specifically the the Batman we know now, not like a different version of Batman. He wants to play the Batman that Ben Affleck currently plays. What do you think about that? Yeah. Well, I think first we need to talk about how it um, the the Batman that they're trying to play or cast these days is a little bit older. Yeah, mm-hmm. that is weird. Kind of. Middle age to kind of almost end of career Batman, you right. know, whereas before Christian Bale was, you know, Batman Begins was new Batman. Michael Keaton was kind of in the middle, mm-hmm. and they generally kind of do that. And now they're they're leaning more towards Dark Knight Returns era, older, gruff, about to retire Batman. So yes. that's kind of an interesting choice. John uh, Hamm is nowhere near retirement. Yeah, he's, I know. He's but got the man looks like. I'll tell you what John Hamm's got. He's got fabulous. that chin. He's got the he's got a good Batman chin, I Hero think. Chin. Yeah, for the the half cowl, it'll work. I mean, yeah, he does like, great. He does it. great drama work. Sure. So, I mean, yeah. I I think he he would be fine. Um, I I can't really picture it, but I it, I'm not against it or I anything. I couldn't picture like Ben that. Affleck as Batman. So, and we're here's where we're at. So I, I guess it's fine. Yeah, and, and a lot of it depends on how they write the character. Yeah. True. Um, oh, of course. Yeah, the interpretation of Batman is what it's all about. I've also heard rumors of uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal, well, I feel like he's really circled. Young. I feel like he's circled Batman for a little while. How old is he now? I don't know, but he looks like twenty. Yeah, it's true. So it doesn't matter how old he is; it's he how old he like looks. He looks too small to me. He's like a Christian Bale esque character. He'll go nuts. He'll, he'll, but he's he'll also just short. He'll, he'll eat. Yeah, that's what I, He's like teeny little man. He is. That's. True. I mean, a, a, adorable teeny little man, but yeah. you know, what was that? Five eleven. Was that box? Is he really? He looks like five three. Yeah, that was right. Yeah, he was a big guy in that. And then again, I saw him in Nocturnal Animals. He's like a twig, so yeah, he'll go back to and me, forth. To me, he would just, he would need to bulk up. Yeah, you know? I mean, just like gotta, Chris, Christian Bale did. Yeah, you got you got to put on mass. That's true. Uh, something something else that caught my eye. We didn't talk about this before the show. Um, in speculation of a Flashpoint film for the Flash in the DC universe that you're kind of familiar with, right? Yeah. I mean, that's what Flashpoint is. Uh, they they're looking at casting an older Batman and one that's people are talking about is Jeffrey Dean Morgan. No, as an older Batman. No, 
Well, that would be kind of awkward because he did also play Thomas Wayne who gets shot in Batman vs. Superman. <laughs> exactly. That's the point. It'd be so, like a weird oh alternate God. reality thing. I mean, in, he was in also the, the comedian in Watchmen. But, in the know. He's also Negan on in The, the comedy. That's true. In the continuity of... Ironically, I wanted John Hamm to play Negan. John Winchester in Supernatural. <laughs> in the continuity of... John Hamm would have been cool. Anyway, sorry. Continuity of... Of, sorry, yes. of Zack Snyder, of the Snyderverse. I mean, I guess Jeffrey D. Morgan would actually make sense yeah. as far as for Flashpoint, which, because Thomas Wayne is one who becomes a Batman. Right. That would be the most grizzled, grumpy Batman you've well, it's, ever But it's supposed see. to be. Yeah. Right. He's supposed to be Like, a... Flashpoint Batman is, like, hard drinking, shoots guns, like, <laughs> So the murder. comedian is what you're telling me. Basically. Yeah. And, so. the, and I, feel like, I feel like the comedian is a version of, like, Batman, Captain America, like, a real-life <laughs> version anyways. Yeah, I, I think you're onto something. Speaking of, before we move on to the next thing, uh, you've been keeping up with the comics. How are they going lately? Um, Good? Awesome? Boring? Yeah, uh, pretty interesting. Um, you know, there's a big event called Dark Knight's Metal that's happening right now, and we're kind of in between issues, so we're just kind of waiting to see All right. what happens. We're uh, you know, fighting evil Batman from the negative multiverse. It's really complicated. That is so rad. That sounds so <laughs> cool. Yeah, really but it does sound complicated. Really good character design going on there. Um, another rumor from Hollywood this week, and this just about wraps up our news unless I'm missing something. Uh, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> announces he's going to be directing and, and writing... Uh, his own R-rated Star Trek film. And you didn't want to talk about this one. And <laughs> that's okay because it's a rumor and it sounds absurd and like it's never going to happen. And yeah. I think it probably won't. What I did want to talk about is Quentin Tarantino. Isn't he doing Manson right now? And he is. Yeah. yeah. Coming out on the, be... the anniversary of the, the thing, the Manson murders. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is crazy. Next year? Because it's in so. August. Yeah. So I really um, love that case. Fascinating. That's definitely one of those like Wikipedia rabbit holes you can fall no, down. No, no, like I have loved about. that case since like high school. I oh, had like yeah. all the books and movies and stuff. A little it's bit really of interesting. Morbid curiosity. I can get behind that. I, I mean, I, how do you make someone? How do you control someone so completely? It's really fascinating. It's true, Andy. How so. do you solve a problem like Maria? Quentin Tarantino making a space movie. We well, talked about this a long yeah, time ago. Yeah, I was like, it seems it like just seems like a cool idea, like Tarantino in space. Well, so so. He, his th- whole thing is touching on it's going to different genres and kind of doing his take on that. So he did it with Kill Kill Bill was the Kung Fu movie, right? Um, not Grindhouse. Um, uh, Death Proof is his horror B movie. Mm-hmm. And Glorious Bastards, yeah, yeah. Glorious Bastards is his his war film. So mm-hmm. he he touches on all these genres, and so and we talked about this before. It would be great to see him do science fiction. <laughs> Yep. You know, Tarantino in space. Tarantino in space. But Star Trek? But but Star Trek oh, seems yeah. kind of limiting. That That's the only thing. I, I don't think he can go full Tarantino and They were have definitely his, really reserved on violence. Yeah, I mean. All Star Treks. His, right. um, the way he writes characters, the way he writes lots of dialogue, and Amanda's exactly right. Like, his, he, lots of violence. I just, I he don't see just that happening. do a happen- Firefly sequel. I don't, I don't <laughs> see it happening in, um, in Star Trek. I think yeah. one of the most difficult things about space movies is that you have to limit your imagination. And when you go to space, you can do anything. You can come up with aliens and spaceships and different worlds, and there's a lot you can do. 
And part of the reason why movies are believable, why we can look at a screen and see moving images and believe that that's a real thing, even though we know what we're looking at as actors, is because it's rooted in reality. We can we can look at what we're seeing and understand. Okay, that's in Pulp Fiction. That you know, that's an alternate version of the world, but that's the world as we know it. You know, you can look at a movie like Django Unchained and say that's the West. I can get behind that. Hateful Eight's the same way. Uh, Inglorious Bastards, World War Two. And when you go out into space and you make an offshoot kind of sci-fi flick where you try to do your own thing, and there's a bajillion examples of this, movies like Galaxy Quest or Zathura, I don't know, yeah. And you try to make your own thing, like, it's hard because you have to be able to convince an audience to suspend disbelief and go with it. And that's why I think movies like, and, and Star Wars is not the greatest example here, or Star Trek, but movies that... And, and media, really, that kind of establish themselves and are grounded in reality are a little bit more believable. Like Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's it's easier for us to kind of get into and understand and get to know these characters. Star Trek is very much character-driven. Star Wars is very much character-driven. Star Trek is also very character-driven. But we're rooted in kind of a reality of these characters and we understand them. And I think that's part of the idea of him adapting Star Trek because if he's going to go into space... I would rather, I think, and maybe I'm wrong here, I would rather Tarantino try to adapt somebody else's world that works than try to make his own. Because I feel like Tarantino making his own space universe would just be too freaking insane for anybody to keep up with. Yeah, like, I, I would rather him do science fiction and not necessarily be in space yeah. than him be in space. I, I Yeah, I agree with that. But I also think Star Trek is very limiting. I think of Star Trek and I think of, like, John Luke Picard reading Shakespeare or... Uh, Captain Kirk like running across a flaming thing and I'm like neither of those particularly screamed Tarantino to me Yeah, I would think Tarantino would make a movie where it's like I, to borrow from the Hateful Eight, eight people stranded on a ship in space or something and they yeah. have to figure it out like who knows I, I, can't, I can't imagine Tarantino level drama in Star Trek level environment so that's why it seems insane, and I don't think this movie's going to get made. Yeah. <laughs> so that's my piece on R-rated Star Trek. I think that wraps it for the news. Any anybody got anything? No, I'm ready. To, I'm ready to move on. Amanda's <laughs> grinning. Let's go. Let's go ahead. Not to put you on the spot or anything. Yes. So, the Disaster Artist. We saw the Disaster Artist. Well, you know what? No, no. Before we get into this. Let's make our claim. Everybody comes to this movie from a different way because <laughs> yeah, it's a movie right. based on a book, based on a movie, based on a very odd man. <laughs> and I want to talk about that. So before we get too far into it, Andy, what have you seen of the source material surrounding the disaster artist? So I've seen nothing. I have not seen the room. I have not read the book. I have only seen right. the disaster artist. I'm I am aware of Tommy Wiseau and just and the room and the movie he made and that's I'm a little bit familiar with it, but that's kind of it. I, I presume before that you are acutely aware of like the internet zeitgeist around the room. Sure. A little bit, yeah. Amanda, how about yourself? Um, I've seen all of it. I have seen The Room multiple times. I've met Tommy Wiseau. Oh, wow. Really? Yes. Oh, man. You can meet him at The Room setup, like uh, the showings. He's very he, like, goes to him unique yeah. person. Um, and then I have listened to the Disaster Artist audiobook, which oh, is wow. narrated by Greg Sestero, and he does a very good Oh, okay. Tommy was so impressed. I might be worth checking out of you and audio then, files out there. Yeah, and then uh, I obviously have seen the disaster artist, so I have seen I've been in, immersed in this unusual universe <laughs> right. for a while. I have seen the room once. Uh, I have not read the disaster artist. I watched the disaster artist film, so that's where we're all coming at this from. Andy, you pretty much went in blind. <laughs> Amanda, yeah. you went in not at all loaded blind. to the nines. Yeah, and I went in. 
I half cocked, I guess. Yeah, I, I kind of knew what I was mm-hmm. ready for. And I think what, what's really interesting is that depending on how much you do know or don't know or how much of the back media you've consumed, it really affects your perspective or your impression of the disaster artist. Right. Well, a lot of people didn't believe it was real. Like, Ooh, yeah, it's it's so far it's a like a lot of them are like that's not a real movie, and then you know at the end they show like comparison yeah. shots. And I heard that was reported in test screenings that people yeah. were just like this doesn't seem like a real thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. this didn't. It's unbelievable. No. Before we get too far into it, for anybody uh, who has fallen off the face of the planet and don't know doesn't know what this movie might be about, Amanda, you seem to know <laughs> a lot about this, so I hate to put you on the spot here. But so can you give us a brief summary? What the movie is about? The like disaster The disaster artist? artist? Yeah. Okay, so it's sort of a tell-all from Greg Sestero, who was in the movie called The Room, directed, produced, written, and acted in by a man named Tommy Wiseau, who is a very there. strange man. Right, The Room came out in 2003, so yeah. it's a while back. Yeah, a little while back. Yeah. Um, and Tommy Wiseau is a very strange man. He speaks in an Eastern European accent, but pretends not to realize that, and he, like... <laughs> has all these strange rules about the filming and right. had didn't want to tell anybody about like himself like where he got his money from where he was from and Greg sister lived with Tommy Wiseau for a while and they had a very very bizarre relationship and right. Tom, they both wanted to be actors and uh, so Tommy was like let's just make our own movie and it was a giant disaster but it's uh, developed <laughs> quite the cult following yeah. it's a very it's a very a lot of people tend to call it the Best worst movie of all time. Mm-hmm. So and to it is commonly referred to. It is very bad. <laughs> right. Uh, so Greg Sestero writes a tell-all mm-hmm. called "The Disaster Artist" about yeah. this and yeah. his experience with Tommy Wiseau. Yeah, and on the set and living with him, right? And things like that. So, um, and then at some point, to bring us up to speed, James Franco and friends see the film. The yeah, room. and are obsessed with it. Yeah, and, and love it to, so much that yeah. James Franco decides he just wants to play Tommy Wiseau and remake The Room, which hey, great for him. To be fair, like yeah. I've, I've seen The Room, I can get behind that honestly. Um, and they come up with this idea of, of making the disaster artist into a film and they do it. And that's the movie. Yeah. It's the, it's a movie about how another movie got made. Mm, pretty it's much. It's very meta. It's, yeah, it's, it's very meta. meta. So Andy, an initial thoughts, what do you think? Uh, so I, re- I really liked it and not knowing really any of the backstory, uh, the things that stood out to me is the friendship between, uh, Greg and Tommy. They, they have a very weird friendship but it's Mm. very important very strong um and it you know it's tested throughout the film and then the other kind of big takeaway is there just kind of this thing about like going being an actor making a film about the dream of making it in in hollywood and and really going for it and strangely enough this movie reminds me a lot of la la land really because it's like okay because it's a movie about movies yeah, and and it yeah, kind totally. of and it kind of both has you know similar messages about like the sacrifices you make to to succeed to succeed and also and the fa- the sacrifices it takes even when you do after you you know had success yeah um so so I really liked it it is really bar- bizarre it's really funny I laughed uh, quite a lot um past the six or seven laugh, laugh test okay um, that's good yeah. yeah I got a couple chuckles yeah. So, uh, so like I said, so I really liked it. I thought that their their relationship and their friendship was, uh, you know, very moving. And and like I said, Tommy's so so weird. And like I mean, he's got all this money, and just no one knows where it comes it comes from. Like, well, actually, if you read the book. <laughs> oh my god. Well, according to Greg Sestero, not the man himself, it's a secondhand account. We don't know for sure. Anyway, I haven't read the book, so I don't, I yeah. don't know. Yeah. Well, in in the movie, it's never explained where where his money 
comes from. And, right. And again, that's another like me not knowing any backstory. It's just it's just a total mystery, and it adds to the mystery of Tommy Wiseau. Right. Amanda, you seem like you might be a little biased, but I want to no. give you a, yeah, go ahead. Like, what, what did you think? No, I liked it. I liked it a lot. Um, I think that it could have been really mean. Like, it could have been a really mean movie, like, shitting on Tommy Wiseau. But, you know, it was actually very touching. And you kind of root for him, even though, like, yeah. he's kind of terrible to Greg like when you really think about it it's funny that you're talking about friendship because like I said in, in the book it goes more because I mean Greg Sestero wrote it and it's from his point of view and it kind of talks about how they did have a really strong friendship but toward the end he actually started like fearing for his life oh my gosh like he legit because I mean there's a lot of things that they don't really go into in the movie because there's just not time and it's kind of hard and I get that but there's like some darker aspects like Tommy was so was really controlling and would like make greg do things just for like fun he like made him run a marathon one day oh my gosh he was like get out of here like you have to go do this thing and then like he would do like tommy was so super obsessed with working out so greg would be like hanging out on the couch with his like girlfriend and like tommy would come out and like he wasn't always wearing clothes and he would go do like pull-ups and stuff oh, wow. and like not say a word and then go back into like you know his room and just like Things like that. And then, like, on set, he was definitely a lot, like, meaner than it kind of displayed. I mean, it kind of gets into it a little bit with some of the scenes. But, like, so he would take – he didn't trust anybody with the HD camera, so he would take it with him. And then he would have everybody be on set at 8, but he wouldn't get there till like, 11. So he had – he was, like, doing things like that. And, like, whenever there was, like, the sex scene, usually it's a close set on movies. And he specifically said – everybody had to be there oh in gosh. that room that day like you did you had to be on set every day even if you weren't working that day like every day you had to be on set and he wouldn't wow. provide water he wouldn't provide air conditioning so that's the thing it's like and i we think see, that and we do i think see that some it, of that in the a film. little bit a little yeah. bit i think that they pulled punches a little bit to make tommy more relatable so because i mean by the end when he's like really uh, I'm sure I can talk about spoilers. I don't know. Mm, no, I, no. We let's try to, not. We try to avoid. We try to assume the audience hasn't. I mean, we kind of we kind of revealed that all of this happens. So it's like it's based on a true story. I mean, there are yeah. points when he is upset in the film, and you feel bad for him. You're like, even though he's been so terrible, you're like, oh my god, I'm so sad that he's sad. And mm. I feel like if they portrayed him the way he is in real life, he might not be as sad. Yeah. So, but I think it was great. I think it had. I think it had the spirit of it, of the bizarreness of it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> he, was, w- he was excellent as Tommy was so. <laughs> yeah, I, I do want to say something ridiculous. about that. Yeah. Uh, it was ridiculous how well he just disappeared into that role. Yeah, he, like, he really did. And I kept just staring at him and just like not seeing James right? Franco like, at all. It was all. like he wasn't even there. You were just like, wait, what? Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I, I would I would definitely forget at times. That's one of the charms of an actor, I think. That's. Usually actors who win, like, the Oscar for Best Actor or something. They're the ones that when I'm watching the movie, I forget. I forget that that's who I'm staring at, you know? You, you forget that that's... You're, you're not watching Leonardo DiCaprio. You're watching... You feel like you're watching that person. Um, as far as it went for me, there, there's a lot of la- layers to this movie, I think. And a lot of things I really enjoyed. And at the end of the day, I liked it. Yeah, it's exactly that. It, it wasn't, like, brilliant. It wasn't terrible. I think it's a brilliant companion piece to the original film or the book. I mean, I didn't read the book, but I would think it would be having not read it. I didn't know all that stuff about Tommy Wiseau, and that does kind of change my opinion. But you're right. Knowing that, learning about that, this movie does pull some punches, but in a nice way. And that was one of the things that was so charming about it. The Room is 
this production, yeah, written, produced, directed, starring, the, he's the main character, the lead, in The Room, Tommy Wiseau, he's such a fascinating character. Like, when you watch The Room, he's almost all you can look at. Yeah, it's like, all he, about he, him. It's nuts. Like, this guy looks odd. He's got a weird accent. Like, it's he, he dominates the screen. His, his lines are weird. Like, there's just so much going on. So, and, and you know he's the driving force behind this. He goes to the screenings. He's a big deal. Um, but he's a, he's a mystery. You don't know a lot about him. You don't know where he's from. You don't really know how old he is. Uh, honestly, I think Wikipedia might. Uh, I was looking at the thing earlier, and I was like, oh, okay, this actually seems pretty expository. But that's all rumor. We don't actually know. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is that, I mean, he talks about, like, Greg Sestero talks about when he first moved in with Tommy. Like, Tommy would go, apparently Tommy used to go down to, like, the boardwalks and sell trinkets and stuff. And then eventually he earned enough money doing that to get into real estate. Right. So that's what they think he might have done, but it's not it's not for yeah, certain. Yeah, but it's, it's like still kind of that's like, the thing, is you're right. just like, I'm still not sure. <laughs> and my and favorite thing is when he tells everybody he's from uh Louisiana. New Orleans. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it's just like no And that's that's one of the things I enjoyed so much about it, is that this movie because it's based on the book and maybe it's the perfect way to tell it. It's told from an outsider's perspective. You still don't really get the skinny on Tommy Wiseau. You still yeah. don't really find out what he's about or where he's from or who he is. Just like us, the audience, Greg has to figure it out. And we kind of try to figure it out with him. And you don't really get the answers. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't mean to, to – we'll talk about spoilers in a minute, but – I, I, you don't, you don't really find out like, and that's part of the charm of it. Like you, it's the mystery remains, you know, like we still don't really know who this, who this clown is. Uh, and he's still just as fascinating for it. And James Franco does a brilliant job of playing him. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I yeah. mean, people talk about if it's like his personality is an act or if it, that's what or he that's... just is. And like when we went to see the screening, someone asked him that and he was just like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, it was so in, in ridiculous. His, in his weird way. Yeah, yeah, I was like, oh my lord. <laughs> so uh, w one thing I, I wanted to mention uh, is uh, before I talked about how the, the film kind of has this message or about you know chasing your dreams, like going for it. You know, they're going to move to LA and become actors. Um, and one of the scenes that that really moved me is when they're at the premiere, and all the actors are there, and they just know that this thing is just a, a trash pile you know on fire and they're they're just like oh i can't believe it's being made but as soon as it starts and they it they see themselves on there like it, there's this great scene where they start to get excited and they're, they're they're like oh that's me on screen and so it's this great great moment of like you know as an artist whether you're a musician or a painter or an actor of seeing a project from like you know conception to fruition and how that's exciting, even if it's bad, even if it's like not really that great, just having like gone through the process and kind of like that's a small success in itself. And that for some reason that really stood out to me. Yeah, I really enjoyed that scene because it seemed like, yeah, just like they're, they're seeing it on screen for the first time. A lot of the actors who worked on the movie, as you find out when you watch the film. Um, they didn't get to see those like dailies or anything. They didn't get to see that no. footage. So they're seeing it for the first time. And like as we watch the film get made, as they did too, we get to see it for the first time as they see it. I mean, if you haven't seen The Room. You, you... Well, no, I take it back. You do get to see the J some of the James Franco footage. I know they ended up shooting about 25 minutes yeah. reshooting The Room. Um, so you get to see that for the first time as they see it. And it's like, it's this really kind of interesting twist on reality and how people saw The Room. And it was, it was very much like... The build-up, it reminded me of that scene from Hot Rod, 
You remember when? Have you seen? You've seen no, Hot I haven't. Rod. Oh man, Amanda, have you seen mm, Hot Rod? Nope, sorry. Oh man, yeah. I'm I'm a man without a country. Okay, well in Hot Rod, there's a scene when Andy Samberg and and his two friends decide they're going to make a stunt film and show it at a local theater to raise money for for charity or for his father's heart condition, and they end up running the film and people like start laughing at it, like like people laugh at the room and then it turns into a whole drama thing and it reminded me of that. Um, but it's effective and it works and it, it's it's a very fitting kind of well it's a very important scene to tell what the room is and what it turned into because it, it just like at the beginning of the movie they, they bookend the the film with reality which is interesting they, they open the film with uh actors real actors talking about what they think of the movie and they end the film with one of those classic based on true story like here's what came of this whole thing, you know, like mm-hmm. a text on screen, which is great. Um, the movie, I, I don't know. I, I, I like the way it kind of mirrors that. It starts with reality, then it slips into kind of this alternate version where James Franco plays Tommy Wiseau and Dave Franco's brother plays Greg Sestero. And then it slips back out and it's effective. One of the other things I noticed was that the room is shot almost exclusively on a tripod and lots of panning shots, but there's, there's almost no handheld in the room. This movie was almost exclusively handheld. Right. It's clever. It's just a clever way to mirror the source material and kind of, you know, take a different swing at it. And I thought they did a really great job. Mm-hmm. What um, One last thing I'll say is, um, you know, after Amanda was talking about all the, or how they pulled punches and how you're not really getting like as dark as, as it really was. I think I really would have liked to have seen that version, really like to see it kind of go all, all the way. I mean, they may not have gotten the go ahead to do the, the film, but then, you know, I could just imagine as far as James Franco went for what we get in The Disaster Artist, it could have been even so much more. I mean, Daniel Day-Lewis, <laughs> you oh, know, God. level of uh, yeah, yeah, honestly, I don't of know insanity. if that was like, you know, a decision made by Franco or if like it was one of the things that, you know, Tommy basically agreed with since they got to work with him and he shows up at one point and everything. So you don't really know why they decided to do that. But, you know. I mean, I still like it. I'll still watch it. It was still funny. I laughed many times. So, yeah, it's you know. I mean, it, it's good. It's just under two hours. <clears throat> it's a good long flick. It's not like ninety minutes flat or anything. Mm. Like, there's a lot in there. So maybe they shot more. Maybe they shot less. I, I don't know. And and it didn't seem like it was because I've heard this criticism that it was a movie that was made just because they wanted to remake the room. They wanted to. to remake it and and have a reason to do it so they decided to make a movie around it i don't think that was it because they do spend an awful lot of time but i mean it's like an hour before they even start shooting the room like it's all background yeah Yeah, it's all these two characters and kind of their experiences together so it's really really not about it really is a passion project it's more like about just tommy was so yeah kind of like that's really what it's about it's about this very strange man and i just think it's so funny i've talked to my boyfriend about this and it's like you know he started and he wanted to make this movie to become famous and to be known and then it was a terrible movie, but it's gained such a cult following that he actually achieved his dream. He got so famous that James Franco decided to make a movie about him. Yeah. And he's going to like live on for forever, like for a while. And it's funny how he inadvertently did exactly yeah, what he, he wanted. Yeah, he became famous and Although became he was, successful. he was upset for a while. Like in the, in, the, in the movie, he's happy with how things turn out, but... In real life, he was, he was, it took him a long time to come around to the cult status that the room got. Like, he was kind of offended for a long time that people didn't consider him seriously. Right. And only like much later was he like, oh, yeah, it was a black comedy. 
which so. I can't stand, by the way. Yeah, so. he, re- he Tommy re- was retconned so, it, yeah. Right, Tommy was so trying to act like he's in on the joke. is He yeah. kind of steps on the joke. Like, that's part of the fun is that they tried yeah. to make something and it turned out so bad that it came back around and it's fantastic. And it's, I don't know, it's almost an art house film, really. The Room, it's, it's brilliant. Andy, you got to watch it, please. Yeah, maybe we'll one gonna, One thing's for sure. During the credits of this movie, and it does have a post-credit <laughs> scene, Andy, you were quick to tell me about that. I appreciate it. Uh-huh. You yeah. should stick around and watch that. Um, uh, during the credits, I got on my phone while people were leaving, and it was like, "Well, I'm just gonna order a copy of this on Amazon. Oh, High time I order order the room. I should own a copy <laughs> of it. It really is that good. Yeah. And for for anybody that hasn't seen it, Andy, you haven't. Um, I know it's. I I hate B movies, man. I hate bad movies. I I don't like them. I don't waste my time. The room is different. It is, oh man, it's <laughs> I, I'm looking forward else, to man. it. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, I'm telling you. Yeah. And that being said, Amanda, we were talking about before the show that if you're going to see The Room, you think you should see it in a packed theater. I think that, I, I don't think that it's a bad way to see it the first time. Like, you know, I know Andy and I think you were talking about seeing it like at home alone or like not alone, but just at home, period. Uh, yes. I feel like, I feel like you just don't need to because honestly, the dialogue is like it's okay to miss it some of it like while you're out in the theater like it's you don't need to do like an intense study of yeah you don't you don't and i think there's like some there's it's really amazing to just be around all these other people that have seen it i mean my first time seeing it was in the theater and i don't regret it one bit so you know i i didn't need to like listen to everything and i mean yeah people shout things but i mean they're shouting the lines so you can hear it and i mean It doesn't, I don't know. I just think it added, I thought it added a really fun element, but it's also, I have really bad secondhand embarrassment. So like (laughs) watching this film, just like chilling on my couch would have been a nightmare. Like I would have just been like blocking my face. I couldn't do it. At least in the theater, it it eased that. So if you're kind of person (laughs) who uh, gets that secondhand embarrassment, maybe uh, watch it in a group and throw some spoons. Right. And we we talked about this earlier because you mentioned it with Alamo. You don't like people stepping on your movie experience. I know. You don't like kids being loud. Yeah. Well, but if you go in and you know, like that's the thing is that going to the room, it's like seeing Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's part of it. It's part of it. And honestly, I won't lie. I think the room on its own like just watching it like in your living room is a little slow. It's a little slow and a little dull. I mean, yeah. it's funny. Yeah. It's hilarious because of the delivery and the special effects, I say with quotes. Um, but big, big air quotes there, yeah. But I think that just sitting and watching it is a little bit slow. Right. So that's I, for me. I, I've only seen it once. I, yeah. I want to watch it again. I watched it on a grainy DVD. Yeah. Do you have a Blu-ray or DVD? Uh, we have it on. I think it's just on DVD. Yeah. I don't it's, think there's a blue. I was like, oh, does it? Oh, okay. yeah. Well, I mean, it's going to be grainy no matter what. Right. It's going to look terrible what no matter what. Like. Um, but uh, I figured if I was going to buy it, I should get on blue. Right. Like if I'm going to if I'm going to sink mean, the money, well. I might as well go you for the, the, well. the big fancy, yeah. still Tommy crappy a, version. Wait for the 4K restoration. That's right. Couple more dollars. It's true. The first time I saw it, I was at I was at my house. I I turned off because I do these little, you know, private screenings. I call them watching a movie on my television. But uh, my girlfriend had gone to bed. It was like 2 a.m. And I was like, all right, turn off all the lights. I got my, my headphones, the surround sound, because I can't afford a stereo system. Uh, and I put it on, and I watched it like I would objectively watch any other film, like Mudbound or any other, like, uh, it's what's supposed to be an incredible film, because I was like, I want to get into this. And 
I'm telling you, like, there's two ways to party, man. You can either go get hammered at, hammered at a loud house party, or you can stay home and sip fine wine. And watching that movie, like, sipping a glass of wine, was, like, an incredible experience. And I really enjoyed <laughs> it. Um, and I would like to see it in a theater. I would. I, like, I do yeah. want to do that now. Like, it only makes me want to do that more. <laughs> but, but the reason I didn't is because and I can't totally stand fair. people being loud and throwing stuff in theaters. And I don't like wine, so there you go. That's totally right, fair. Right, yeah. So for, it's for the room... I, I I think you should see it both ways. Whichever way you see it first, I guess, is, is up to you. But I had a great time watching it yeah. alone. So, yeah. So the, right. Good luck, the, the message yeah. is that we're, we're happily awaiting to see what you say. Before we move on, and I know this is, this is very uh, hyper-local, but are there any, like, local midnight screenings? Around? Oh, yes, around? absolutely. I don't know Those are the any. ones I've been to at Inwood Theater. Inwood? Yeah, you they go do? to Inwood, and uh, they do all sorts of really amazing, like, movie stuff there. I so, check that out. Have you been in there? No. What? Never been oh, Inwood. my gosh. I heard, it's the, I heard it's like Alamo. It was cool It's theater. nothing but giant couches. Yeah. You, like, lay on them, and, yeah, so we did that. Actually, it's really funny when we went to see it. Like... We were yelling things at Tommy and stuff, and yeah. like Chaz was like, "Hey, be my best friend," <laughs> and Tommy was like, "Okay," and then as soon as the room started, he left. <laughs> he like well, sat yeah, at the back, like, and then he like left. I mean, how I'm and then he like, movie, right? but yeah. halfway through, I saw him come back, and he was just watching his own movie with popcorn. He was super. Tommy happy. Tommy was so man. I was like, all right, fascinating individual, and he really wears that many belts. I believe it. He oh does. man! Oh god! That's what I mean. This movie like so eight. many things. His wardrobe is fascinating. Like the way he talks them. is fascinating. Like everything about the guy. Oh, anyway, so James strange. Franco does a great job. Disaster artist. Andy, thumbs up, thumbs down. Five stars, highly, ten stars. Yeah, I, highly recommended. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Worth sure. the price of admission. Amanda. Yeah, definitely. Yep. Give it a good four. Four I'd out of five. S- I'd say go for it. If you don't see it, if you're <laughs> anxious to see something else, like uh, what's supposed to be Rotten Tomatoes' greatest movie of all time, or something. Lady Bird, uh, go ahead and and I don't know, wait, rent it. If it comes to Netflix, you have no excuse not to watch it. Like it's worth it's worth sitting out. It, it's a it. weird thing. So it's not you can't rent it or stream it anywhere. The you room you mean? Go, I meant yeah. the disaster. Yeah. yeah, the room. Oh, you have you to mean, yeah. you have to seek out the room. It it will not come to you. You have to go to it. <laughs> like it is secretly deep down, Tommy's a brilliant businessman he's I, like you aren't getting anything for free here i don't know if that's true but he does <laughs> I have, wanna, he does I have choose, one hell of a website i choose to believe yeah if you haven't <laughs> been there check out tomuso.com it is a trip oh, that's man. good i think now we're gonna talk about the death, death Mo- of cinema right i was gonna say moving on moving on the death of cinema so we're talking about seeing the last jedi this week mm-hmm. uh and that's something i do want to get to in a minute but before we get to it we were talking before the show about how weird it's been, I think, odd for Disney to be pushing The Last Jedi with this ad campaign that seems to be really supporting not getting the movie spoiled. Which does two things, really. One, it implies there's some big twist or some big thing that shouldn't get spoiled for you. And two, I don't know. It's 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 like you said. It ties into spoiler culture yeah, or something. Go ahead. There's yeah. spoiler culture and and what I call spoiler phobia, which is people that are are so afraid of knowing anything about the film. It's just I mean I mean they hear the smallest morsel of something and they're like, oh my god, it's been spoiled, or they'll or everything they got to cover their ears and yell at people on the internet and right. and no, no one wants a film a big twist or a big reveal 
spoiled for them. You're like, yes, that, that can ruin the movie. But we're also getting to the point so much of like, well, oh, I don't even want to know who's in it. Oh, there's a lightsaber. What are you, what it, you know, like it's ruined. I get literally unwatchable. You, you know, right. so it, it's this weird kind of re- counter reaction to spoilers is, is people getting upset about if they know anything. Like, I feel like that attitude has been really informing a lot of trailers lately. Cause like Thor Ragnarok had some, like it hid a lot of things and, you know, a couple of other trailers, like every time I see one posted on Reddit, it's like, this trailer didn't give away anything. That's amazing. So I feel like that's kind of a backlash, like that's because of the backlash. Well, it's also interesting. So research indicates that the reason um, a lot of times trailers show so much and do give away a lot of things is because that's actually what audiences want to see. Like there were there were studies done and said the average film goer wants to know everything that they're going to see. And so that's why a lot of times that's what the trailer gives us. And that, you know, for us cinephiles, that makes us upset. But for the average film goer, you know, they that helps sell the movie. And so that's kind of why it's done. Right. And this seems like a perfect opportunity to, to make our claim. Andy, where do you land on spoilers? How do you feel about them? I mean, so I don't like them, but I've also reached a point where I kind of accept that they're going to happen. Yeah. But the other thing is a lot of times, even if I know a spoiler, I don't know the context. So I may not really know how important something is or isn't. So even though a spoiler might ruin a plot point, it doesn't ruin the storytelling. Mm hmm. You know, so I, it's weird. I feel like I've kind of matured <laughs> to a level where, where, where I don't really mind it quite so much. Because even mm-hmm. if and this has happened um, this year or with the last Star Wars, something got spoiled for me. But then when I saw it, I was like, oh, there's so much else involved there. There's so much context that I still didn't know that it was still a really great experience. And I, I, there were lots of things I still didn't know. It didn't completely like ruin the film. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was also kind of predictable what happened. Amanda? Um, I love spoilers right. so much. You do. So like <laughs> when surprise. we saw, yeah, whatever, <laughs> yeah. you know me. Um, yeah. When we were doing game of Thrones, like there was the whole season was like leaked before, oh, like yeah. for not, not this last one, but the one before it. And so I watched all of them. I looked on watchers on the wall. I'm obsessed with spoilers. I think it's because I like to know. So I get like that first immediate reaction. And then when I actually watch it, I can process it. Yeah. So I don't know. I just really love them. That's almost like how I am on a second viewing. Like after I've seen the initial one, I've had my initial reaction. Then I can almost kind of sit back and really take the film in because I'm not. But see, if I watch, if I already know what's happening, then I can do that on my first viewing. That's what I mean. So yeah, I can. It's very efficient cinema. Um, (laughs) I think a cynic is a hopeful person that's tired of being disappointed. Um, I. I, I like movies because they're 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 te- they're storytelling. It's a, it's a modern version of storytelling. It doesn't exist in any other form. I mean, books you have to use your imagination. Movies, it's there, and you just have to figure it out. And sometimes you kind of have to bridge gaps. But for the most part, it's somebody telling you a story in a universe in a way that isn't often done. Um, and when somebody steps on that and ruins it for me, I hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I can't stand it. And then I'm like, oh, I'm a little yeah. bit in the middle because it's funny. My girlfriend, Christine, she she's the same as you. Oh, She'll eat yeah. spoilers up. She doesn't care. Like, she just doesn't. And and she she's a writer. Like, she writes. And so it's weird for me for her to be that way. But it's, it's exactly that. It's a deconstruction of the storytelling. And if you know how it ends, you can so much more clearly follow that path. They're going, okay, yeah, I see this. This is clever. You can appreciate it more. And I get that. But at the same time, like, I feel like you lose something that initial impact that's something that first viewing when you watch it and like it's it's just that it's being able to go back and watch it again 
often I'll find myself catching things I didn't catch the first time. And you're right. Mm-hmm. Like you catch that the first time. It's a totally different experience. I can get why you prefer that over this one. Maybe I just don't, um, I also just don't like the unknown. Maybe. I have, the, some, the, I have some big anxiety. I'm a big controlling person. I the other thing. Yeah. When things are happening. My boyfriend's just like you. He hates it. So he hates when I am like yeah. looking up spoilers. He gets mad. Yeah. The, the other thing about like spoiler, spoiler phobia is that so few films that their spoilers or plot points they don't really warrant that kind of like, oh my God, it's it's complete ruin. It's not like, <laughs> say something like The Sixth Sense, which probably Movies has- are serious business, Andy. Which probably mm-hmm. has, like The Sixth Sense has probably one of the, the biggest, you know, surprises in, in all of recent cinema. And lots of people were blown, and this is pre-internet as well, so lots of people were, were blown away. And it, it, But it also kind of became vogue to just ruin it for people just because. Just but most films don't have reveals that are that shocking or that, yeah, you like know. purposefully telling someone something—that's that's that's, that's terrible. But it, so. but at the same time, I remember like I heard a spoiler. This was for a TV show, and I was really upset because someone had posted on Facebook. Like, I mean, within five minutes of the episode finishing, yeah. and and I, w- and I was really up- upset. And I was like, oh man, they completely ruined this. And then when I actually watched the 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 thing, I was like, oh, that actually wasn't that big of a deal. And it was completely obvious, and it happened within like the first five minutes. So, so it, like, I made it a bigger deal than it actually was in the telling of the story. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's almost like <laughs> you kind of choose yeah. like how much you're gonna get worked up I guess. by it. And, by and, now. and you're right, man. Like there, there. I guess there isn't a line. I want there to be a line between spoilers, and not spoilers. Maybe there's, maybe there isn't. But like. You're right. It, it's telling me that there's a, a lightsaber in the la- in Force Awakens. A spoiler. I mean, kind of no, but at the same time, like it does impact my experience. <laughs> I'm like, no, now I know it's coming at some point. Like it does, it does mess with you. But I guess you just can't. You got to do what you do. I think you're in the perfect spot. You just you don't let it mess with you, and you, you get over it, and you kind of accept both realities, and you watch your movie. Yeah, and, and like like I said, what you will. There's so few films that actually have surprises that are that like you know gasp inspiring or you know p- people talk about the uh terminator 2 how oh i wish i had known that the arnold schwarzenegger was a good guy but how it's like how dare you i've but never it's seen like, that it happens in the first 15 minutes <laughs> and it's like it's the whole premise of the <laughs> how film dare you? it's the whole premise of the film right. like, like everything's you ruined i can't watch it now <laughs> <Yeah>. right <laughs> something something that is informed by this conversation um, the rise of internet sleuths, internet detectives oh, yeah. who figure stuff out. And I did Me, want to talk absolutely. about this. Yeah. Did either of you watch Westworld? Nick, um, yes. Were yes. You, are you talking you, about our Westworld? You Which, know where I'm going with this. Yes, because the whole, well, okay, I can't talk about Right, spoilers. we're not going to spoil it. But, but like there's a very significant plot point that people started guessing in episode two that yep. was revealed in like episode in six, episode seven, at yeah. six or seven. And I was, I remember being on that subreddit and being like, you guys, this is not happening. And then it happened. And I was yep. like, I can't believe, I was like, are you people like Columbo? Like what? What right. the hell is this? <laughs> and this is and this it's is it's ridiculous. Yeah, Westworld, written by Jonathan Nolan, Christopher Nolan's brother, uh, believe it or not. So great! It's we great series. Whole, it is. I could do a whole episode on that. I would be. I, I'll. I'll be watching season two definitely. Oh, so good. The internet, Sherlock did. They figured it out like ten weeks before mm-hmm. they they revealed it. And the problem with this was, and was of course, easier. I was perfectly happy with. It. Right, <laughs> it was still a great twist. Yeah. To be clear, yeah, and I read about it just a couple a couple days before I actually saw the oh, episode man. and it came That's out, but. I mean, yeah, it got so there much There were play. multiple twists, at least. This theory started <laughs> to add up so much that, like, Variety and Screen Rant were posting it. Like, check out yeah. this fan theory that seems to totally add up, and then it right. turns out that's it. The, the, 
the series lost its luster. They lost that opportunity to have that big crash and say, hey, here's what's going on. They lost their own reveal because the internet figured it out. I and don't this, know. Everybody I've seen, though, still loves it. But oh, see, I like it. But see, it. that's so, the other thing. I, yeah. as I feel if nobody, nobody was if like, your show, I can't watch it now. Yeah. If your show or if your movie d- depends on just twists. A, a, t- a twist, then it's not a very good show or movie. Yeah. Right. And this yeah. is what brings me to The Last Jedi. This, this is where I want to start talking about this because... Here's my theory about Star Wars. Dun, dun, dun. That, right? Yeah, I need to put a little something in there. There's a twist, right? I think there is. And I think it has something to do with, for those who have seen Force Awakens, the origins of the character Rey. Yeah. Because we don't know a lot about that. We still don't. And what's interesting is, is this. The internet has speculated for two years every freaking fan theory I would think imaginable about where Rey might have come from. Mm-hmm. Her parents how she got to Jakku, whatever. Um, we don't know what the answer is. And the problem is kind of a Westworld issue. Either A, somebody already figured it out, and a bunch of people have probably already read it, and you're going to watch it and be like, yawn, saw that coming. Or B, nobody's figured it out. Which means, if that's the case, they didn't give us enough information, and they're going to pull some ham-fisted, half-hearted <laughs> twist no. out of their back pocket. It's Jar Jar's. Yeah. And say, hey, here's your twist. How do you like it? And people are going to think it's cheap. Like, I mean, oh, come on. Like, that's not a twist. I mean, I don't think like, someone figuring forced. it out, like, you know, makes it bad. Like, Yawn saw that coming. Yeah. I think there there is one particular outcome that I am not wanting, and, you know... If it's not that, I'll be fine. Get her indulge us? Is sure, it, is it just potentially too spoilery? I don't know. I mean, I just right? don't I don't want her to be a Skywalker. Yeah. I just want her to be someone different, whether it's like somehow from like Han Solo's family or maybe Obi-Wan Kenobi or just like something or maybe even just a child who Luke taught that, you know, yeah. sure. ended well, up happening. I just don't want her to be like Luke's daughter or right. something. Yeah. I yeah, I, like, I don't want to. I don't want. I mean, there's so much with Star Wars that I think is kind of predictable. It's which a small I, which, universe, which I don't, which I don't think is a is a <laughs> bad is, thing. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it it can also be like really like that. That's what that's what I just don't want. I want. I don't want to be like really. That's the best you could come up. That's with. That's what I mean. I'm like Aww. you're kind of setting yourself up for disappointment for some people, not everybody. And yeah. like I'm sure it'll be good regardless because like we just said, it's not all about the destination. It's about the, sto- it's about story, the journey. Yeah, the right. I got that. Um, but it's 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 kind of a dangerous game when you're running trailers that are like don't spoil this for anybody. Yeah. And Mark Hamill's in interviews saying don't spoil the movie. Like I don't know. I almost feel like those are red, red herrings as well. Uh, one thing I, I want to mention: so. you, uh, you talked about internet sleuths. I mean, people <laughs> people guessed a lot of the Force Awakens. Yeah. Uh, someone guessed the name The Force Awakens like two years before it came out. Someone yep. guessed uh, about Han Solo's fate. Yeah. And someone and uh, and about who Kylo Ren really is, like all those things were guessed in advance. So my my whole thing is that I personally try not to theorize or speculate too much. As fun as that that is, um, what I end up doing is a lot of times I'll come up up with something that's better than in the movie. So yeah. which which then <laughs> it makes the movie disappointing. And you're disappointed. Yeah. yeah. So then I just I just try to not overthink it and just kind of just wait and see how it is. Andy, should you actively stay away from film subreddits? Um, no, I definitely don't. I mean, anything that's discussing the actual film or film reviews, probably. 
but I mean, yeah, not if you want to be spoiled. Right, Maybe Amanda. If you don't want to yeah, spoil. what do you think? Oh, after every movie, I go to Reddit You're and like see them. the discussion that's going on. Or I, every I do TV love show, doing that. That's true. Like every every I do live episode watches. It's like, tough. It's yeah. tough. It's tough yeah. for this show in particular because I watch a movie and then want to go watch like three reviews of it, and I'm worried it'll inform my opinion too much. So <laughs> right. I maybe shouldn't. I don't know. That's that's. A I just like people time. pointing out things that I might not have thought about, and then I'm like, oh yeah, okay, that was pretty funny, or I missed it. Oh, totally. Speaking of The Last Jedi, Andy, you have been building an incredible <laughs> screening experience leading up to this. <laughs> That's right. And we get we, to finish it tonight. We've been following on social media. It's Walk so me through this epic quest. Go ahead. So I decided, uh, whenever I saw The Force Awakens, I did not watch the original trilogy or any of the old movies. I, I thought, oh, I'm familiar enough with this story. You'd and, seen them before. Right. And right. then and then I realized when, when I eventually did, I was like, man, I, I actually missed a lot of references and a lot of kind of homages to the... So I decided this year uh, for the Last Jedi that I was going to watch the entire saga, <laughs> except for Rogue One. Not that I not that I don't like Rogue One. I just you know eight movies is a lot. Henceforth referred so, to as Rage One. Yeah, and so I started I, and I started in kind of a unique order. Started with Episode One, went through the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. Not doing that machete oh, sorry, order. Sorry, the the prequel trilogy. Machete no, order. not not machete mm. order. And yeah, then a gentleman's uh, order. <laughs> <laughs> and then the the OT, which, uh, which I just finished. And so it was like basically a movie a day, sort of episode one, two, three, and then uh, four, five, six. Four, five, six. And then we're going to finish, uh, we're going to watch uh, Force Awakens tonight. Yay. Amanda, have you marathoned, really, before we get into Star Wars too much, any film series oh in, in anticipation of a, of a future film? Um, hmm, an anticipation of a future film? I've done this. I did it with the Harry Potter films. Actually, no, not in anticipation. Uh, just because avengers i did it yeah like yeah. no uh i'll <laughs> do it when i'm like cooking for like thanksgiving or like cleaning or some days i'll just put on lord of the rings like the extended editions the and just yeah i mean the marvel thing is getting like 10 very hours. difficult to do <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah it's getting to be like 20 it's yeah. like 30 20, hours 30 of hours film. i yeah. did yeah i did um, avengers sans mm-hmm. hulk iron man one two thor captain america avengers Right. That that's was not, easy that's back not then. Bad. Yeah, that yeah someone made bad. like a thing that was, that was like, if you start watching on like the first week of January, you'll, and you watch one Marvel movie a week, you'll be there in time for Infinity War. Yeah, that's and four months like, of no, it's like, sir. Yeah. It's so ridiculous. <laughs> that's insane. Um, so I want to talk to, about just a few impressions having gone back. Please do. Um, Fill us in. So the the prequels are, are still r- are really rough. Um, I mean, there's there's a few good things, and I do try to look for, for the they for hold the good such things. a special place in my heart. Mm. I can't. It's almost it's almost <laughs> like the room where it's so bad <laughs> oh, it's no. good. Where it's, it's oh I mean, no. you, you, there's as much much that you can laugh at as <laughs> as there is that you can talk about. So some of the positives. So um, Qui Gon Jinn's probably the strongest character in in the first film. There you go. Maybe in the first three three films. Uh, Pad, Padme is is also a very strong character, but strangely, her character arc gets worse in each film. Yeah, she, she goes down. She goes from like you know important senator or queen and freedom God, fighter kind of right now that i think well about but it, yeah. i mean have you i mean you know they cut out like a ton of her scenes in the third film right let's see but but i don't and that's not what i see on on screen and that's you didn't problem. know that at no. all or oh yeah so there's so like you're, this not on, whole, you're not on those subreddits yeah see, well and see wrong. so then what not i a, see not a real fan yeah what, what i'm seeing here <laughs> not a real <laughs> so what i see is by the third film she's like becomes pregnant nuisance it's like 16 and pregnant when she about? tells anakin that that she's yeah, with, with child he's like such oh, a bummer. oh god you know <laughs> no so in and like the it's movie, unfortunate you know he she like 
there's all these accompanying scenes as as like Anakin gets more and more on the dark side. She meets with all these people like Bail Organa and Mon Mothma and all these people to start what eventually becomes the Rebel Alliance. And there's lots of scenes of her in their apartment, like talking about it and discussing it at the Senate and stuff like that. And they all just, all of them got cut. Yeah. And it's such a bummer because that would have really helped. Uh, like I said, a bit when <laughs> but it gets I agree cut, with it you. just doesn't. I agree with you. It, it is like <laughs> when she's just like on the balcony and you're just, she's just like going on yeah. about her baby. Yeah, it's and like, brushing her hair. Stop. It's weird because I, like, I feel like Revenge of the Sith usually gets the best rap of the three original. Well, like I, I said, wonder how that would have affected it having those scenes because those do sound good. I would like to see that. They were great. Yeah. It was such a bummer. Hmm. Um, it, one of the things that, that I think just doesn't work is like the political stuff is just a little bit too complicated and doesn't really make a whole lot of sense and isn't really ever explained. Mm. You just kind of go along with it. Um, <laughs> Christopher Lee's great. Count Dooku is great. Yeah. It's, it's impossible it's un- for him to be bad. It's unfortunate that he's not in the series, you know, too much longer. It's a bummer. Um, but, uh, you know, I just wanted to touch through the through those. Um, and then I got to, to episode four, A New Hope, the one started it all. Um, and I, I just, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah. and it. And it made me think the whole, t- the whole time I was just like, man, it's, the thing that sticks out is like, this is so creative. Like that's what I was thinking the whole time. I was like, because they didn't have anything to reference or to rely on. They had to be come up with it all then. And, and yep. so like the, the worlds are interesting. The characters are interesting. The mythology, uh, you know, Alec Guinness does a, a great, great performance. I was telling Amanda, I teared up at, s- at several, <laughs> several parts. Oh, wow. Really? And, yeah. He's and, good, man. And, and same, same thing with, uh, Empire Strikes, Strikes Back is that they're, yeah, they have the original movie to, to fall on, but they actually, they go in lots of new directions. Like we are not on a sand planet and, you know, we're on different worlds. We go to Dagobah, we're on hot, the Hoth system. It's just, they really expand it a lot. They expand it, so, and, and the mythology yeah. as well. So the, those uh, four and five are just so creative, and then and I like the, uh, Return of the Jedi as well. But it's also it's you start to see the merchandising and commercialism start to come start to come through as well with the uh, it just Ewoks. it has this it has this layer of I don't like, mind the Ewoks I am like the only one in the universe I don't really mind it but I see that I see the merchandising all of a sudden it's now. it's got this co- it's got this layer of like trademark polish all over it yeah I know what you mean I it's must just have not, been too young when I it's saw too it first. corporate or something I, I know what you're talking about yeah. Huh. I mean, the first one almost feels like an indie film, honestly. Yeah. Like, it's just so, it was low budget. They were, they were basic. They were out in the freaking desert. Like, they didn't know what they were doing, but it came out great. And you're right, it's creative. And that was my point about Tarantino earlier. I'm like, man, I don't know if Tarantino can do that. Like, I just don't. I, yeah, I feel yeah. like he'd be too too restrained. Yeah. The guy who made Django Unchained, I'm like, I I don't know. But he is, he is great. Anyway, um, yeah, I didn't hear any mention of, of my boy Ewan McGregor. Where, where is he? What do you think? Oh, gosh. So... <laughs> I've, I've thought a lot about him. He's he's completely wasted in episode one. Yeah. And then I feel like he's not essentially... I mean, he does cool stuff, but in, in the other two movies, but he's not really developed as he's a character. He's not important. He's, yeah, not he's, really. He's not developed as a character. He's yeah. he's the same like from beginning to end. Yeah, yep, you you're know. right. It's true. He's the same he's, guy. He's essentially, especially in the first one, he's essentially this uh, Darth Maul. Like, he's the light version of Darth Maul. He's yeah. just like, he's a cool character that doesn't really do much. Right. 
No, it is shocking to watch episode one and realize how much dialogue he doesn't have. He's <laughs> just kind of in the background often to Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah, yeah. he's kind of just hanging out back there like, oh, look, there's that character. Kind of like Padme in episode three. That is a bummer that she got regulated down to that. And and I did want to mention that before. You're right. I was thinking, no, no, no. Like, she's got that big action scene in episode two. Like, that's great. But no, you're right. She was a freaking queen before that. Like, yeah. and then she, no, it's totally a decline of character. I never thought about it. Her that costumes way. also are so awesome in the first one. And then they just. How dare you? They're awesome throughout the whole <sighs> thing. Don't but they're not even. as awesome as the first one. Well, they yeah. go through a huge... Don't even get me started on this. I used <laughs> to be a fashion designer, That's and I right. have that book, Dressing the Galaxy. Her costumes tell an entire story. Like So we, we can't get into that right now. But I'm going to show you when we get home. <laughs> you yeah. and Christine were going so well. She loves those movies. Oh, my God. I think oh she has good. a book, too, Dressing the Galaxy. Um, any more appreciation for one Kira Knightley? Following episode one, maybe did you even notice Kira her? Knightley. She yeah. plays the. Uh, so oh, she plays the other. She she plays. Uh, In an unrecognizable I, role. Obviously, Ikea Knightley. Ikea Knightley. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh my god, that's so terrible. Yeah, she plays the stand-in for for Padme, as as queen with the oh, face paint and everything. And Kira oh, Knightley looks okay, so much right. like Natalie Portman that it totally sells, and you don't notice. That's right. Yeah, yeah. she's totally in that movie. It's the weirdest thing. Um, briefly uh, about the Force Awakens, I I really enjoyed it when I saw it. I saw it four times in the theater <laughs> in in four different screen like types of screenings. I saw it. Three D, two D, IMAX, Omni IMAX, like What's Omni IMAX. You need to calm down. Andy. That's like the. Uh, this was over the Fort Worth like Science Center, where and it's the IMAX that uh, takes up the whole entire ceiling, and it's oh like, that is so oh dope. so like a planetarium, really? planetarium yeah. like kind of screening. Yeah, it actually wasn't That's so cool. That would it actually wasn't quite sick. as cool. <laughs> no, it sounds, sounds awesome. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it sounds rad, it's, but was, I get I get what you mean. Yeah, oh they, they could also be terrible. Yeah. It's, it sounded it it was a better in theory than it actually like it wasn't that cool. Mm. I, IMAX was probably the my favorite one that I saw it in, but mm-hmm. yeah, I, I really liked it. And I thought it was a good reboot. I, I almost look at it as, as a remake of a new hope. Kind of. Um, but yeah, new characters, but still going in new directions. And it's a lot of people criticize it uh, for being too much like four, but to me it was, it's the, it's act one. It's setting the characters. It's setting the stage. And I'm, I look forward to eight, and nine. Yeah. And I knew that seven was just going to be the setup movie. Yeah. We'll see you know, how similar The Last Jedi is to uh, Empire Strikes Back, if it'll make or break. If someone's like, I am your mother or I am your father, I'm (laughs) going to scream. I'm sorry, but if Luke's like, I'm your father to Rey, I would just... That's what, that's what I mean. Like, so everybody will roll their so eyes. Funny. Yeah, like, oh. Well, that's not going to happen. I refuse. I, I, I man, don't want to. It'll be rough. I, I don't think not. it would have the, the score it has on Rotten Tomatoes right now if it did, which I don't know what it has yeah. exactly. There's uh, no way, no way people would fresh, be I think, good. Right? It was 93% that's last really time I looked. That's really good. Yeah, people wouldn't give it that if it had if that was the twist, I don't think, right? Uh, Unless it had be quality buildup. Andy, when is the first time you'll be seeing this movie? Thursday night? Thursday night. You mean seven, tomorrow? Seven. Yeah, that's right. Tomorrow, <laughs> seven or uh, seven thirty. Yep. So. Amanda. Uh, tomorrow at eight. Nice. Haven't bought my tickets yet. Oh, you fool! And I'll tell you why. <laughs> and I, and I thought I thought a lot about this, and there's two reasons. One, just ab- ab- abhorrent laziness. Two, because my favorite moment in Force Awakens, I can identify it very clearly because I remember it so well. My favorite moment in Force Awakens is when it came up, beginning of the movie, like the the. The lights went down, <laughs> and everybody got quiet, and it, it oh, said a so long good. time ago in a galaxy far, far away, and then it just 
fades and there's nothing and you're just waiting for like the crash of the symbols and for, oh, for star wars to those, pop up you just get those chills and that exactly it. and oh, that so moment good. just sitting there waiting i i genuinely it's the first time in arguably my entire life i really honestly felt like a kid again waiting to watch star wars yeah. and what it was looking back it was anticipation because I didn't yeah. know what was coming. And I was like, I just can't wait to find out. And I've seen so much stupid Last Jedi crap on the internet <laughs> that I'm burnt out. Uh, yeah, it's almost devo- – yeah, there's no so way. much. And everybody's so excited. I'm like, you know what? Hype. I'm just going to wait and more go hype. see it on freaking Saturday or something. Oh, and, like, man. it bums me out. But that's, that's would, where I'm at. I'm was, excited. Yeah, but, like, yeah. I was going to say, for me, this weird thing happens. Like, I'm hyped all year. I'm on a hype train. Like, I'm the conductor of the hype train <laughs> all year. The hype train. And then the week the week of, it, it completely dies for some reason. And then I'm just like, I just kind of, I'm like you. I, I want this to just go ahead and be over with. Mm-hmm. Until until I'm in the theater. <laughs> like, in, you sit in this seat. Yeah. Uh. Like, when when the Lucasfilm logo comes up. You and everyone starts tears. When everyone starts clapping. Yeah, like, then I'm going to be hyped. Like, oh, my God. It's yep. happening. It's going to oh be rad. It's going to be so cool. And I know you're going to get out of it at, like, 10 o'clock or something. Text me and like, dude, it was the greatest. And I'm going to be like, damn, I should have gone and seen it. Yeah, we're going to get food and talk right. about it. I, I did miss uh, Rogue One. I didn't catch that opening night. And it felt horrible. Like, Aww. knowing everybody Aww. was seeing it and I wasn't. Like, that That was no Yeah, fun, I so. think that I just love that opening night experience. Like, oh, everybody being yep. together and everybody's excited. And There's it's just energy like, in the air. Yeah, yeah it's just, just, it just can't feeling, be beat. Yeah, just, and and it, it won't. I don't even know if they'll get there with episode eight. Maybe episode nine. I mean, maybe that'll be like the big climactic finish to this trilogy. But like episode seven. Yeah, I remember it's like it just felt so good to feel like the whole world was like Star Wars, man. We're going to do it. Like it's going to be the greatest. (laughs) Like it's going to be so cool. And it was like it was so great. So I'm excited for it. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, definitely. It's going to be one hell of a movie. As far as I know. I could just wrap the show. There's one other thing I wanted to talk about, and I should have just opened the show with it, and I didn't find time, so I wrote it down. Um, when I went and saw Disaster Artist, the trailers in front of it, AMC, this particular oh, yeah. one, I don't know if this happened to you. Maybe it did, what? or either of you. They ran the trailer for All the Money in the World, the new Ridley Scott film. Right. Um. And what was interesting about All the Money in the World, what they're doing is due to some recent developments regarding one Kevin Spacey and news, we're not going to get too into it, but you can you probably know if you're listening to this podcast, they're replacing him with Christopher Plummer and they're going back and reshooting all of his scenes. Mm-hmm. They also pushed back the release date of the film just till the end of December, I think. Um, originally, it was slated to come out December 8th. I know this because the trailer they ran in front of Disaster Artist not only advertised December 8th, but just totally had Kevin Spacey in it. It was oh, a Kevin really? Spacey trailer. Yep. He had a line at the end. They had his name and Kevin Spacey. He was all over it. I was like, I was staring at it like, this can't be right. Like they, oh, why man. is this in here? Like I feel like it had to have been, it had to have been an independent theater screw up. Had yeah, to have been. Like, that couldn't be a chain problem because AMC's huge. Yeah, because I saw a couple of, like the Disaster Artist and, and Lady Bird, and they ran the trailer, and it was the new one with uh, Christopher Plummer. Really? Like, mm. Yeah. Okay, I didn't even know if they had a new trailer out for it. Yeah, yeah I didn't even see the trailer. Yeah. So. It does look like. What do you think? It looks. Like, I think it looks cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it looks a good movie. It does. I, 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 I'm interested in it. This show would be a good reason for me to go see it. <laughs> <laughs> um, with that being said, shoot, I forgot again to introduce this as the home of Volt Cinema. Um, <laughs> so uh, this has been off script, I guess. I'm Zach Lewis. I'm Dr. Draper. I'm Amanda. Um, this is the home of Bolt, Cin- <laughs> Bolt <laughs> Cinema. I shouldn't laugh when I'm saying it. I'm sorry. I just feel bad. I forgot. Uh, this is off script, the home of Bold Cinema. The home of Bold Cinema. Thanks.